You're listening to the Inner Child Podcast. Hey, besties, I hope you had a wonderful week. Today's inspirational story is about one woman's journey from growing up in a high conflict military family and becoming a rebound girl during most of her adult life, finding it really hard to keep a meaningful relationship. After turning 30, she decided that it was time to take control of her relationship patterns and her childhood trauma. And she is now thriving and dating and loving life and absolutely killing it as the creative director of an agency. This is my student, Olivia Luna. Yes, that's really her name. And today we had a really valuable conversation about why so many women, especially, become rescuers in their relationships. We talked about self sacrifice culture that is generational. And finally, how to find your voice through art. Ah,、oh, such a great conversation. You don't want to miss this right after this intro. Hi, I'm Gloria Zhang, and after 10 years of struggling in toxic relationships, I attracted the love of my life by healing my inner child. This podcast is your weekly dose of my expertise as a therapist and dating relationship coach for high achievers. Learn tips to overcome low self worth, emotional baggage, and childhood trauma so that you too can step into your power and attract the love you desire. Welcome to the Inner Child Podcast. All right, we are live in the studio with the one, the only, Olivia Luna. How are you, my love? <laughs> Hi, I'm good. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm so glad that you were able to come onto the show and you know, share a bit about your story. Olivia, where are you from? And tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah. So originally I'm from Texas, but right now I'm currently living in New York City with my little dog, Monkey, and myself. And yeah, officially I'm an alumni of the Soulmate program that Gloria does. She's secure now. That's what she meant. <laughs> I'm, yes, I'm on the road to being、yes. secure now for sure. In my day to day life, I wear a lot of different hats. I work in you know, video production, live streaming, I do photography, I do videography. And as of recently, I also do podcasting with my new show, Healing Through Love.、Yay. Yes, very excited. And all of that has been a result of like, doing the work in the Soulmate program. Really, just kind of like wanting to understand my childhood trauma and like all of the sort of attachments that I have today as a result of those experiences. So, yeah, that's kind of who I am and, you know, where I'm at right now. Thanks for such a beautiful introduction. Now, you guys really need to hear the topic of her podcast. We're going to dive into that later on. It's so interesting, and I'm not sure if I've heard of anyone doing a podcast quite like this. So it's really cool that you're paying it forward now with all the things that you have learned. Yeah. Awesome. So, Olivia, obviously, you are someone who has been really committed to self development and you've gone through a lot yourself. Are you open to sharing a bit about what childhood was like for you and things that perhaps you learned about yourself from doing this inner child work? Yeah, so I grew up in a military household. My mother was Air Force along with my father. That's how they met. My father wasn't really in my life for the first 18 years or so. 
So there was a lot of those issues of just like fear of abandonment, a lot of anger and resentment for just not having him in my life. And of course, for my mom, it resulted in, you know, her having to raise myself and my younger brother alone, which is very challenging as it is. Also, being in a military environment, you know, we were constantly moving around a lot, a lot of change from year to year, going to different schools, living with different family members, that sort of constant kind of threat was always just in our household. And I think that that resulted in us having to walk on eggshells and just sort of be in this very temperamental kind of environment. So I grew up having to be super adaptable to things, know when to put my guard up and when to kind of keep it up in certain environments and situations, and never really being able to cultivate like strong, lasting bonds with people because there was always this like thought or fear that I'm, I'm going to be moving or something's going to happen. I'm going to be going to the next place and I'm not going to be able to keep this friendship or relationship going. So really struggled with being able to like open myself up and as talkative and like confident as I seem today, I was actually cripplingly shy when I was a kid. And it was really like pressure from my mom to get me to to be more vocal. She pushed me into theater programs, into modeling, all of these sort of side activities that I ultimately did lead me to being a little bit more confident in myself. But at the core, as I think back to little Olivia, she was terrified, you know, doing, having to do any of those things sort of against her will. And it just took time of just like building up that muscle of just like trying and doing the hard things and putting myself out there that I started to realize like, okay, you know what, my voice is actually important. I can tell a story through these characters and all of the sort of fantasizing that I would do as a kid as a form of like escapism, I could play out on the stage and in front of the camera. And so that kind of led me down the route of where I'm at today in video production, doing photography and podcasting as well. I was going to say, Olivia, we have a lot of similarities in our upbringings with the moving around. And my mom also pushed me into a lot of different programs like dance and piano and all of these things. So thank you for describing that. And You know, it is interesting how, although in the beginning you were pushed into these things and it sounds like the speaking up was an insecurity. And now here you are with a perfect podcasting voice doing production. It feels like you turned that insecurity into something that gave you purpose. I'd love to hear a bit more about that. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely all credit is due to some really great teachers, mentors, like people who could see the potential in me and really wanted to like cultivate that. Mm-hmm especially in theater, like, you know, they could really see how invested I was into telling a character story, into building a character itself. The character's birth to their death, like Olivia was really able to kind of add all this color and nuance and everything. And of course, I didn't know I was doing that at the time. I think I was just, again, wanting so badly to kind of use it as an escape from the sort of abuses and trauma that I was experiencing at home, that I was going all in on, on those activities. But they were able to see that potential and say, okay, if you do this, if you do the work, if you really invest into it, you can become something or this can be something that can help you express your own story in a way that felt authentic and safe, really. My third year in college, I worked with a professor who really 
did theater from a perspective of the African diaspora as opposed to like traditional European like theater. And that sort of ritual work really is based in your true story, right? Like who you are, not a character that you're putting on or performing, but who is Olivia? And doing that was like so transformative, like seeing the power, the impact that my story had on the people who I was in college with, the people who saw the shows. I didn't think that I had anything important to really say, but then I did a one-woman show at the end of my junior year, and it was just like so well-received. People were just in tears, and they were just like so moved by my story. And it felt like this giant weight just kind of coming off of my shoulder, this chip that I had sort of been carrying around, which is like this resentment for my life. I realized like, okay, let me keep going down this path because I'm understanding more and more of who I am through this. And it feels good when you start to know who you are and you can be more confident that way. And I think like as a result of doing that work has led me to be here today and doing this. You found your voice through art. Right, it's art. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about this recently. How there seems to be a lot of people who go into theater or performative art who do come from difficult childhood, and I think it is that place of escape, but also safety. Right. I've heard it said before that sometimes, if you were playing the role of somebody else, you almost felt safe to be not yourself on that stage. Did you ever feel that way or was it something else for you? Oh, totally. Yeah, definitely in the beginning, doing children's theater, the roles are a little bit more playful. They're a little lighthearted, right? You can Mm -hmm. kind of do things that you wouldn't normally do at home. You know, when my mom is telling me to sit up straight and behave and do this, I could go into theater class and be a gorilla, be a dinosaur, (laughs) be whatever I wanted, you know? Um, So there was some freedom in that and being able to literally step out of my world, let alone like step out of like a human body. I could be fairies. I could be all of these different things. I was so imaginative growing up. I would read books all the time and just had this really big imagination. And book at first were was my form of escapism. So then when I found theater and I realized like, oh, I can actually like physicalize this in some way and do all these funny little voices and stuff, <laughs> that kind of opened up a door of just like excitement and play. And it really gave my inner child this playground to like really just yes, go all out. Literally. <laughs> literally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it's true. Sometimes you have to try on a lot of people's voices before you find your own. So Mm -hmm. I'm glad that that was your route for doing that. I love that. I was in a couple of plays when I was younger, not like a, you know, full on theater. They always cast me as like the fairy godmother character. And I was really annoyed about that. Like I was like, I I wanted to be the villain. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I was always like the fairy godmother (laughs) or like the person that like helped the main character. Very frustrating. Anyways. (laughs) Wow. Let's talk about relationships because obviously that was probably one of the things that connected us, right? Was at some point you might have realized that. The way that you were raised and the unfortunate situation somehow bled into romantic relationships. And so was there a moment when you first made that connection? Yeah. So early on, I don't think I ever experienced 
romance, boys, sex, anything like that until I was like basically 18 or 19. So there was a lot of this just like repressed feelings of just wanting to like do it all and explore it all. So I did a couple years of just being in these situationships, wanting to be in a loving relationship, but having no idea what that was. I say it on my podcast. It was kind of like looking for a needle in a haystack and not knowing what a needle Mm. is, right? Like having no idea where to begin and ended up replicating a lot of trauma bonds, a lot of relationships that I knew from the very beginning weren't going to go anywhere, but I wanted to try and be the model girlfriend, the model partner and make it work. I was always a fixer in relationships, a healer in relationships. Most of my relationships, they were rebounds using me to kind of get over a previous ex, all of those things. And it wasn't until this last year, I was in another kind of trauma bond relationship. At the time, I didn't know that's what it was but I just kind of felt like this really strong, familiar connection with this person who ultimately, again, from the beginning, he said, I don't think I can commit to a relationship. I just got out of something that was really traumatic. And we kind of, for about a month and a half or so, used each other to play out our past trauma in the hopes of trying to make it a healing relationship. But because I didn't know what the work was that I needed to do, like I can't heal somebody else if I don't even know how to heal myself, right? And so inevitably the relationship ended, he ended it. And I was just struggling so hard to get over it. I couldn't explain like how difficult it was to not obsess and like be in this depression and sadness. And I just wanted to like start feeling better again. So started Googling a podcast to listen to. And at that time, I had been doing some really intense therapy work and we had actually brought up inner child work a few times. So I was like, let me look into that a little bit more. And the inner child podcast is the first thing that comes up. (laughs) (laughs) And there you were. And yeah, I think the episode that you do on trauma bonds was one of the first things that I listened to. And hearing how you described that relationship, it just made it so quick. Like, that's what this is. That's what this has been. That's what it is. And I knew like, okay, I have to dig into this more. I really have to like start to detangle myself from my trauma. It's a phrase that I heard from Esther Perel. And I love that thought of just like, as opposed to cutting off or trying to break free from my trauma, really detangling myself so I can understand like where it originated from um, and how it sort of impacted who I am today. Yeah, I think that relationship was really kind of the catalyst because I'm getting to the point now where it's like, I'm in my 30s. I don't want to keep doing this anymore. So what do I need to do to kind of break this pattern? Oh, I don't like the situation, but I love that we were able to meet. (laughs) Yes, I'm so thankful (laughs) for that breakup, honestly. (laughs) Like it has led me to this and I couldn't be happier. Yeah, let's talk about that for a sec because... I know that when you're in the middle of a big breakup, it's so hard to see it for what it is, right? And, you know, I've been there. It feels like your world is ending and there's still parts of that trauma bond that want to fight for it. And now that you've had a bit of distance, how are you able to look back on that and even be able to find gratitude for that happening? (laughs) 
now that I'm in it, the impulse to look back at myself and be like, Olivia, what were you thinking (laughs) is like really strong because I can now really see who he was and how he definitely was not ready for the kind of relationship that I needed. And I also at that time was not really ready for it either. Had I met somebody who was secure with themselves, I don't think I would have been attracted to them, honestly, because I hadn't done the work to become more secure myself. So knowing that now, I'm so thankful that it ended as quickly as it did, because I feel like if the relationship had been longer too, it would have been definitely way harder to move on. But then also, you know, how it ended, it was another breakup where my ex sort of said to me, it's not you, it's me. You're great. You're amazing. You're wonderful. And in the past, I would sort of just kind of like brush that off or just kind of get annoyed by that response of just like, well, it has to be me, right? Because why are you ending it? Like, if I'm so great, if I'm so amazing, like, why don't you just stay with me, right? But now as I think back on what he's sort of saying to me there, it's like, yeah, I am freaking great. I am amazing. He just wasn't in a position to really be able to provide the level of an amazing relationship that I knew I deserved, like he knew I deserved, right? But I couldn't see it at that time. And he also needed to do the work of detangling himself from his previous relationship. And it wasn't my position to save or fix his work, right? So yeah, I'm super, super grateful that that did come to an end because it did ultimately lead me to you and to (laughs) going down this path. And to yourself. And to myself, right? Like coming back to myself. But now, yeah, going on to this journey of really saying, okay, yes, I do want this type of relationship and I'm deserving of it. I can receive it, but I have to like change that mindset first and That wouldn't have happened if I stayed in that relationship. You've got it, girl. (laughs) You know, there's something that came up in this conversation I think will be interesting for folks to hear if they haven't made that connection yet. Because I know, especially a lot of women, they get into this role where they're trying to rescue their partner and they're not doing it consciously. It's like a involuntary reaction to the relationship, right? They're focusing so much on trying to help and save that other person. What did you learn was the reasoning behind that? What was the defense mechanism? I think a lot of that was a result of, again, my childhood. I was parentified pretty early on. Again, being in a household where, you know, my mother, she's been married quite a few times and every single marriage has been abusive on some level or another, whether it's physically mentally, emotionally, just on both sides. Yeah. And I had to sort of be the referee between her and her partners, along with being this protector for my younger brother. He has a lot of health issues. We believe he's on the spectrum. He has diabetes. He has a lot of social anxieties. And so outside of the house and inside of the house, like I was just constantly having to help him and fix problems for him along with whatever my mother was going through, you know, whatever I was sort of struggling with. And the overall theme, I think, of my family's legacy has always been sacrifice, right? And just like, you know, my grandfather migrated here from Mexico. He had to give up a lot of things in order to stay here. And I think that sort of generational trauma has just sort of resonated across all of our family. And it's almost (laughs) this 
heroic label to be the martyr of the family, if you will, or guess like who can sacrifice the most for others in order to be notable, be worthy, really. Right. And I think like that's what I was sort of replicating in my relationships is like, okay, let me push all of my needs to the side and give him whatever he needs, you know, whatever he's going through. Let me help him out. Even though I haven't fully decided for myself if I even like this person, I just decided to choose love and I'm going to make it work. And it was all really, again, just to try to receive this validation that like I'm a good person or that I'm a good child at the end of the day, right? Like that's little Olivia trying to help and support and save her family as best as she can. So yeah, I think realizing that that's ultimately where it all sort of stemmed from. Yes. That was such a great answer, Olivia, (laughs) because, right, it was the family generational pattern. And I just had that episode come out today about my immigrant parents. It is like a rite of passage, right, of a self-sacrifice, getting so attached to the pain and the struggling. And here you are breaking cycles, which is just incredible. (laughs) My pleasure. I'm honored to be able to hear the full story. I'm curious. So I'm sure that for some folks, stepping into soulmate, it's so different than going to therapy. It's a very different kind of program. Was there anything that you got out of it that maybe surprised you? Maybe that was unexpected? Oh, so much. So much. (laughs) I'm still going through a lot of those modules today. (laughs) Yeah. And I like how you just said that it was very different from traditional therapy because it was more kind of actionable things that I could practice literally every day, whether it's like a journaling exercise or some sort of breathing technique or anything like that. That was something that I was sort of lacking in therapy where it's like, you know, once a week, hour-long conversation, and then everything I sort of talked about with my therapist kind of goes out the window, you know, during the rest of the week, right? Whereas this is like, I was trying to make it part of like my daily day-to-day practice first thing in the morning even, right? Like doing the Vegas hack, doing some sort of positive affirmation, meditation, things like that. I was constantly just sort of aware (laughs) of like my feelings and well, you know, what does that mean? And what is my reaction to this? Like, it almost became kind of nauseating after a while. And I, you know, there are days where like, yeah. I had to be like, all right, just shut up and relax and just like, yeah, yeah. go about your day. You need those rest days. <laughs> yes, yes. But yeah, there's so many things that I got out of that program that like, I can still utilize today. And is still part of my day to day practice. I've done it all right. Like I've done the books and the dating advice columns, things like that, the YouTube videos or whatever that tell you how to get a man if you pay, da da da, da right? <laughs> right. <laughs> just wear a red dress. Exactly. <laughs> right. Just, right. just be beautiful. Be a supermodel. <laughs> right. Yeah. And this, again, was like really the only resource that I found that was all immersive in a way. Kind of like if you're trying to learn a new language, you know, it's better to like be living in the country or the place you're trying to learn. I had to kind of make this my everyday language at every moment. (laughs) And also, you know, having the community and having accountability partners, some of whom I'm still like, I'll check in with them on Instagram and stuff. And we keep up with each other and kind of continue to keep each other accountable. That's awesome. That's something that was like so super helpful in just trying to 
make this a part of my everyday practice. That's so beautiful. I love the friendships that come out of soulmate because, you know, sometimes even when you hang out with girlfriends and things like that, you don't really talk about these deep things, right? But, you know, things like what happened to you when you were seven. And it is pretty unique, the chance to connect with other folks who might have gone through something similar. So I'm really glad to hear that, that you've kept in touch. Is there a favorite tool or a favorite perspective that you learn from the program that maybe you can share with us here today for those listening? Yes. So the CSI method. Not the TV show. <laughs> yeah, no, not, not the TV show. But that really opened up an understanding of how I deal with my big emotions that like I never really thought about before. In the past, I really like just struggle to kind of one cope with my emotions in the moment. Usually when let's say, you know, have a difficult conversation with someone or just have this negative experience, I would have this like rush of overpowering emotions to the point where like, I just have to react and I have to like fix this now because I don't want to feel this anymore. And so then it was just very reactionary, right? And I was just like responding off of these emotions that like, I don't even know what I'm feeling. I just need to like do something to feel better in this moment. So this method really gave me those tools to better handle those big emotions when they come up, really stop, take the time to understand what's actually triggering me here. And I learned through this that I need to put space and sometimes maybe even a little physical distance between myself and this negative experience that I'm having just because I would just jump right into the action of trying to like solve things. Like I'm a fixer, right? But I wasn't actually feeling what I was going through. And what I love also is just you do a lot of breathing or feeling where in your body these things live. And it brought me back to those theater days because my focus when I did theater performance was really on physical theater. So doing like clown work, dance, fight choreography, all of these things where you're like telling this story through your body. And I just remember like feeling so good during those years because like I was living so fully in my body. And then of course, after graduating, moving to a city like New York, you know, you can get kind of, you live in your head after a while, right? Like you're no longer in your body. And so this method and a lot of the practices that you kind of taught us really brought me back to my body and understanding where my trauma lives, breathing into it, like feeling it fully, having that conversation with my inner child or my inner teen, you know, whoever it is, and understanding like, okay, this situation isn't the actual problem here. It's something else that is maybe reminding me of my trauma. I can set that aside and work on that and resolve this situation a little bit more calmly, a little more level-headed. And also understanding when the situation, you know, this is the problem, right? You are the problem and (laughs) I need to set boundaries, right? I need to say no. I need to walk away from this. Setting boundaries also, that was everything that you've kind of helped us understand around that too has just been pivotal because boundaries in general have always just been hard for me to stick to, especially within myself, like really respecting and understanding why I'm setting this boundary for myself. That always used to be just incredibly hard. And I think that's what made it difficult to move on from a breakup or from heartbreak is because I would just 
keep crossing this boundary with myself. Let me go stalk my ex a little bit longer. Let me like do all of these things that I know ultimately are just going to keep hurting me. But because I'm not living in my body, understanding what I'm going through, I'm not able to get over this relationship. So yeah, all of those methods have been just wonderful in advancing and understanding that for myself. Oh, that's so beautifully said, Olivia. I'll just say one last thing about that. I'm glad you brought up the emotions piece because I've noticed that when some people are new to this work, they don't understand the connection between emotions and relationships, right? We're taught that, oh, you know, just work on your communication skills and and that's that. But I know that for a lot of folks and myself included, it was that when we were in relationships with people, we couldn't control the triggers that came up for us. We didn't know how to handle our own feelings of rage or jealousy or anxiety. And so it's so intertwined with relationships. So I'm glad that that was helpful for you. And I'm sure that the emotions piece, you know, it's not just about relationships. It's also about you, right? And I'm going to try to segue this into you now, (laughs) because I'm sure it's all connected. And Guys, the way that Olivia is taking people through her journey on this podcast is so cool and it feels so intimate. The podcast, Healing Through Love, is something that you have birthed recently. I'm sure, you know, as a result of thinking differently about relationships. Please tell us all about what your podcast is. Yes. So yeah, again, podcast is healing through love. We are now pretty much on all platforms that you can listen to or watch a podcast on. And it really started when I decided to join a matchmaking service. And all of that decision, I think, was a result of really wanting to invest in this kind of work, invest in really finding a healing relationship. And I just saw so many benefits from doing the soulmate program and really investing in that way. And I was like, okay, let me keep this going, right? And at first, you know, when I decided to do it, when I decided to do the matchmaking program, I felt really embarrassed and just kind of like, am I going backwards in a way? <laughs> like, mm. I have to now pay somebody to get me a date? Like, what is going on? <laughs> but again, I really thought about it of like, okay, if you were trying to lose 20 pounds, you would hire a trainer, you'd buy a meal plan, you'd do all these things to really invest in it so you can get to that goal sooner. And so if I have this goal of wanting to attract a healing, healthy, long-term relationship, I got to invest in the way that I can to really make that happen. And a friend of mine had actually kind of just offhandedly recommended or suggested matchmaking. And so I was like, well, that sounds interesting. A ad online popped up like that Mm. night. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay, here it is again. Like, maybe the (laughs) The universe universe. (laughs) is trying to tell me something, right? Like, and it's funny, because you had started the manifestation workshops as well in those podcasts. And I think like, that was just sort of my mindset, too, of like, let me look out for the signs, right? So (laughs) this was it. And I was like, okay, let me look into the service a little bit more. And right away, just in conversation with some of the people that work there, it sounded like it was very aligned with the work that I was already kind of doing, dating from this abundant mindset, dating from a secure place, as opposed to just like the swiping of whoever, right? So decided to do it, 
was looking forward to really just diving in, but also still feeling really anxious about like, okay, what if it doesn't work out? Or like, <laughs> what if I don't meet somebody? And one of the first things that they said to me when you know, going into the program, it's less about like finding the one and more so the benefit has been, what is it that I learn about myself through this process? And it was the same thing with the soulmate program as well, too. I didn't expect to like meet somebody at the end of my term. I really wanted to be able to do the work to understand more about myself, how I view relationships and the patterns that I have. So I was like, all right, again, this is the universe telling me like this is all in alignment. And I thought like, well, in the same way that I was sort of documenting my path through the soulmate program by writing journal entries and everything like that, pretty much almost every day, I was like, well, how can I document this in a way that can be creatively fulfilling, that can be constructive, and then can also maybe help tell this story or this journey for others who might be on the same path or curious about sort of the same things that I've been working on. And I've been wanting to do a podcast of some kind for a while. I've been wanting to do like my own kind of project. I do a lot of work for other people. And it's like, you know what, now is the year where I want my voice, again, my story to really come forward. And so I was like, well, let me, let's, I think that's an interesting hook for a podcast, right? Like my journey into, you know, matchmaking and my journey to find this healthy healing relationship. Oh, I love it so much. And you've got, was it three episodes out so far? Yep. Third one just dropped today. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, fantastic. So go listen to Olivia's podcast. I love that you're taking people on this journey with you. There's so many relatable moments in there, like moments where you say things that people think in their heads, but maybe don't always say out loud. So very excited on how that's going to evolve. And it's produced through your company, right? Solidarity Media? Yes. Yes. Solidarity Media Productions. That was founded between myself and two other amazing, amazing women. We worked together in these other production companies for a very long time. And the video production world in general is very much white male dominated. And so the stories that sometimes get told are through that lens. And we just kind of, apart from just like getting along together really well and like becoming friends, we would always find ourselves in these conversations of just like, why isn't this team or this story diverse enough? Or why isn't it inclusive of this group or that? And even behind the camera as well, too, I can't tell you how many times I have worked on sets and teams where I was the only person of color or I'm the only woman. And the kind of difficulties and stigmas that you kind of face in trying to go through that. It's no wonder that I didn't feel like my story was that important was because no one was telling it, right? And so we just kind of felt like this common kind of mission to really want to transform types of stories that we're telling, especially in media and how we consume media today. It is so rampant and, you know, we're just constantly looking at these images. Why can't these images look more like me or like her, like this person, you know, really diversifying and just making sure that every voice gets heard. So that's really the mission and the goal of Solidarity Media. We try to, when we do shoots or when we do produce projects, we make sure that we're doing it in a sustainable way. We're hiring people from all different types of backgrounds and experiences. We like bringing on young voices, young people who really want to like learn and grow because it is so hard to get into this industry. 
<laughs> I had a, like a lucky break, but like for some folks, that's not always the case. And you're especially not having that kind of education behind it as well, too. Like it's hard to get into the door. So we wanted to just really create a company that will hopefully make it easier for young girls like myself to really tell their story, share their insight with others, because it is very, it can be very impactful. Mm -hmm. Even just from these first three episodes, I've already gotten messages and people coming (laughs) up to me saying like, Olivia, keep going. This is so great. Like, it's so relatable. Mm -hmm. I didn't set out with any mission (laughs) to try to like be famous or be popular at that level, but to really see and understand how my story is impacting somebody else in this positive way, that has just been like just the best reward and gift of doing this. So yeah, check us out, solidaritymediaproductions.com. We are on Instagram at solidarity underscore media, and we'd love to produce your story and get it out there. So anyone interested in getting production done, definitely check out those links. Oops, sorry, that was my stomach. <laughs> I just had some sushi no, before our call. That's All good. fabulous. Is there anywhere that folks can find you or would you rather just stay at, as that link? Yeah. So on Instagram, um, at solidarity underscore media. Personally, I'm at Olivia Luna underscore underscore, I think. But yeah, you can start there and I'm sure you can feel fine. Okay. <laughs> All right. Wonderful. So go check her out. Olivia, any last thoughts for folks who maybe was just starting off where you were, you know, a year ago? Any pieces of advice for someone who is nervous about doing the healing work and maybe just needs, you know, like a little bit of cheerleading? What would you say to that person? You are worth investing in yourself. The greatest love and joy that you can feel for yourself and for another person is on the other side of this work. You just have to jump. You just have to go in and do it. And it takes time, but you keep going and every day it gets better and better and better. And to really be able to see yourself, to hear yourself to know yourself and to love yourself, that is the greatest joy that you will ever experience in life. So as scary as it might seem, I really, really strongly encourage everybody to give it a try and do the work for you. Couldn't have said it better myself. Sometimes it really does feel like jumping off a cliff and just trusting that something's going to catch you, (laughs) right? I'm I totally get that. Mm-hmm. Well, Olivia, this was such a great interview. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to come chat with us on the show. Thank you so much, Gloria. I love being here and I really, really appreciate you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. If you love this episode, please hit subscribe and give us a five-star review. It really helps me a lot, so thank you. To join the community and get your daily dose of inner child tips, follow me on Instagram and social media at ByGloriaZang or visit ByGloriaZang.com. If you're a high achiever or entrepreneur who wants to work with me, message me the words high achiever and I'll get in touch. Thanks, bestie. See you in the next one.
Thanks for tuning in, Bestie. I've got something for you. If you think this show deserves a five-star review, we'll send you my free Inner Child Starter Kit as a thank you for your support, which contains exclusive wallpapers and resources for you to download. To get your kit, just upload a screenshot of your review on Apple or Spotify to my webpage, bygloriazang.com slash reviews. The link is also in the show notes. There you can also check out my healing sessions and programs at bygloriazang.com. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and I will meet you in the next episode. Mwah!